How do you feel about the image format of uh, JFIF? Is that a, like a peanut butter thing? Like, what is this? JFIF. I feel like I've heard. Is that literally JFIF? Yeah. Uh, and that bring, like, the first Google result for that is JPEG file interchange format. Yep. Okay. It's an image file format standard. That's an extension on this file that I just downloaded. So is this just a weird... JFIF defines a number of details that are left unspecified by the JPEG part one standard. Huh. That doesn't help. So it's like a superset of of JPEG, basically? Yeah, I guess. Looks like it. Yeah. I don't know why people would do that. Well, Xbox.com does. Of course they do. Uh, JPEG, file interchange format, JFIF, is an image file format standard. It is a format for exchanging JPEG-encoded files compliant with the JPEG interchange format standard, JIF, J-I-F. It solves some of JIF's implementations in regard to simple JPEG-encoded file interchange. So all JPEGs are JFIF, it turns out. Hmm. All squares are rectangles. Um, I feel like this is confusing and does not need to be. It it is, and I don't know why either. Why not just do a JP2 or a JP3? Like we have we learned nothing from MPEG? No, we'll never learn. <laughs> if there's anything I've learned, it's uh, that we'll never learn. Everybody, it's Friday, February 12th, and welcome to Quick Save, the saving content podcast. I'm your host, Evan Rowe. With me today is Scott Ellison. Scott, how's it going, man? It's going well. I have really long hair. Do you? Yes, it's been a year. I have no idea. It has been a year. I too have developed long hairitis over the course of the past 12 months. It's kind of a weird affliction. It's, I don't mind it. It's weird, but I don't mind it. I can I can deal with that. I mean, I've seen it. It's a good look on you. It's the longest my hair has ever been in my life. I so what I am doing right now with this hair is what I did in middle school, uh, but I never had it this long. Yeah, I think the length of my hair right now rivals. It is about equal to the longest it's ever been, which was when I was like twenty one, twenty two. Uh, which is a while ago. Um, and I, I think I'm going to try and push it longer. I think I'm going to let it go, man. Yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and you can't, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause like when I'm on video calls or, or whatever, and I have my headphones on, like you can't tell, but it's, uh, it's getting there. So I, you take uh, your headphones off. It's like at your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like letting my hair down. Um, I, I'm not ashamed to admit I tried to put my hair in a ponytail, like a high pony while I was driving, uh, this afternoon. Cause I was like, I just got to get this out of the way. And I was driving my wife's car and there were some, some ties in there. And I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. And it's just not quite long enough to stay in there. Yeah. I'm, I can do like, I can do the, uh, man, I don't even know what the, it's called. 
like a, like a samurai or a ronin style kind of yeah yeah like that kind of yeah. style i can get like this high pony kind of thing and get like mm-hmm. the longest strands out but like the majority of it cannot be wrapped up in into any kind of pony yeah yeah it's and I also, like, I, I think just my hair type requires that it would be longer before it would cooperate in the way that I need it to. But that's fine. That's life. Yeah. What are you going to do? Just keep gonna, growing it. Yeah. Just going to power through. Um, man, it's been a week. Has and, it? And I've... Yeah, well, and, and like you, y'all listening at home can probably tell uh, my voice is like not quite at 100% because I've been dealing with a super minor head cold for almost a full week now. And I'm at the stage where it's descended into my chest cavity. And so there's just the tiniest trickle of, of, uh, of mucus just sort of gathering and holding a convention in my lungs and in my esophagus. That's a so, good like, visual. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I hope everyone's out. eating at this point at this moment. Oh yeah, like this is the number one podcast for listening to during meals. Um, I, I oh man, I was gonna I was gonna make a callback and I fucked it up. But let's pretend that I was on the on the ball here. Uh, you know how I like to paint word pictures with my mouth brushes. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it's uh, it's fine. It's fine. But you know, I'm a little little. A little more gravelly uh, this week, but that's okay. It means I can do a better solid snake. There you go. That's, that was not very good. I used to do a better snake. Um, I mean, you do a better Ray Romano. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to do that here. This is not the time <laughs> or the place for Rage and Ray to come out. And not, I refuse. <laughs> I have nothing prepared. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you trying to set me up, but I'm not well, going to take the bait it, this time. It's not even about like spouting a line. Like you, you, at this point, your Ray Romano is just kind of like how people do Arnold impressions. It's just sounds. And, and then people <laughs> it's know. It's 100% accurate. Yeah, that is, that is what that impression is. It's just uh, yelling and throwing a couple of choice words that Ray may have said in certain roles uh, to try and be the connective tissue and and it works it's not as good as my batman impersonation uh which we all know is my best one but mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's getting there I'm, I'm i'm honing it um hey video games have you played them uh not too many recently no oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that is there is there anything worth mentioning yeah yeah um I've been well. I've never really stopped, but I am back on my single player Tarkov shit. Uh, okay. I never, never really stopped. I mean, like, yes, I essentially stopped playing for Neo too, um, but right. now uh, I'm in a lull. But that lull has actually started to subside. I've got a new review game, uh, Little Nightmares Two. Ooh, I have absolutely I zero uh, impressions at this time because I just got it today. <laughs> Got but it. for next week, I'll I'll have more to say. That's cool. The people sound excited about that. Yes, I have heard very good things, and uh, I actually I actually feel bad because Little Nightmares uh, is the kind of game that I reviewed like at a lower score than I should have, and I okay. and I feel bad about that because uh, what happened was is I 
played and reviewed Little Nightmares. I didn't really give it a good score. Like, it was fine, but it wasn't as high as, like, maybe it should have been. And then I went on to play Limbo and then Inside for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And then I went back and replayed Little Nightmares, and I loved it. And I was like, shit. Interesting. I The timing was, like, nothing over the about course the series. of series. Uh, it's... So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're playing the same character this time. Um, okay. But it's essentially what you think it is in terms of naming. Like, it is a very good literal <laughs> representation. So, so the first Little Nightmares was uh, nightmares being played out, but you were very small. And uh, it would go across, like, all these different locations. So... There was like an attic and then a kitchen and then like a hotel lobby and then um, like a lot of like completely dark rooms with like light sources that would come across the screen at certain intervals. And Mm -hmm. it was very much in the vein of, of probably more limbo than inside, but kind of a mashup of the two really. Okay. So it's it's like if you liked those kinds of games or if you liked what uh, Playdead did, then you will like Little Nightmares. And I think uh, Little Nightmares goes for more of a Tim Burton esque, like grotesque, elab- or lavish like designs. Like the the chef in the kitchen level is like he's overweight, but he's he's a character of an overweight <laughs> I'm person. Looking at the screenshot as you're describing it, do you see it? Yeah. Well, I pulled up the Steam page while you're talking about it because I was curious. And then, like, as as I clicked into the screenshot, you started describing him. He's he's very grotesque. And honestly, I haven't probably looked in at that screenshot or played the game in probably at least two years now. And I remember that it stuck with you. There's like there's like little pyramid heads in this game. Yes. Fascinating. Um. I mean, it's on sale for four bucks right now. Should I buy this? Uh, yeah, the first sure. one. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Great. Great. I've, I've been curious. Um, huh. Okay. So, so you feel bad that your initial impression or like review of this was like maybe under, uh, like punching under its weight. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like I didn't. Like I. <sighs> What did I end up giving it? I think I gave it a three out of five, which is, is totally fine, but it is not, I think, where I, I felt it was through the second time. Having, and, it, and I don't know why having played uh, Inside and Limbo enhanced my enjoyment, but I feel like maybe I just better understood what it was doing. Little Nightmares, that is. Yeah, well, I mean, why not, right? If it's, a, if it's stuff in a similar vein and if it helps elevate your appreciation of games of that of that ilk, then that makes sense to me. Uh, I did feel like it was a little short though. Cause I feel like they were kind of building up to a crescendo that never happened. Um, that was, I feel still a valid criticism, but I, I just feel like I was a little too harsh on it Yeah, originally. So I, I, I know what the review scores are for this one, but I'm, I'm looking forward to like, going into this one not only having played the first one a couple of times but also just like a a better grasp on what's happening overall got it so i'm I'm excited about that so single player tarkov um i'm getting into a really good place so i'm level 39 now 
And wow, that's I, that's high. It is very high. You've um, been playing a lot of this. Uh, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's it's really good though. Um, there are a couple of mods that I've added. Um, one of them being it's like it's called like this all-in-one mod. But the only reason why I got it was to make it so that the scav bosses pretty much always appear. Oh, cool. That uh, that expedites things a lot. Yes, um, because you will eventually get tasks that ask you to kill a scav boss and collect like a certain item from them. So increasing those odds is a much more enjoyable experience. And then the other mod was is an AI mod, which essentially tweaks the AI, uh, makes their spawns a little bit different, and then also mm-hmm. gives them better equipment to fight against. So you're not fighting against like this like really low geared scav or even like a bot PMC that Mm -hmm. just kind of goes down really quickly or isn't even wearing a helmet. Now it's, it is this AI mod is like doing its best to replicate the online experience without the, like the frustration or the, the possibility of like losing that fight. Right. And then it, it's, it'd be fair to say like, you, you've just been spending a lot less time dying and a lot less time wasting time, right? Yes. Um, but I've certainly died uh, since turning this on or adding mm-hmm. this mod into place, which is actually helping me get over the, the gear fear. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly oh, nice. like comfortable money-wise. Like I've got like, I think I'm at six or seven million right now. Okay. Rubles, that is. <laughs> Rubles. Um. But I mean, like, if you look at any of the popular streamers, they're well above like 20 million rubles. So it's like, I'm not as comfortable as they are, but, okay. uh, but you're doing okay. I'm doing okay for myself. And I, and anytime that I die, I don't feel like this grave sense of loss that I, I do when I'm playing the live version Right, like you're not sitting there literally grieving the loss of your PMC character. No, uh, not at all. Because now yeah. I can just kind of buy it all, and and replace what I've lost, and and just jump right back in. That's all right. That sounds good. Like I, there was there was a stupid moment. I think it happened yesterday. Um, I went to the interchange map, which is a map that has a IKEA like uh, super mall kind of structure to it so it there is an exterior to it all but the the main reason you're going there is to go through this super mall and right there there is a boss that roams it and you know obviously all of the the bots that get placed into it there is this ramp of like this fallen parking structure that leads directly into the super mall and i went through this entrance because it was kind of a, a back way uh-huh. to get to the boss. However, there were two PMCs at the top already for whatever reason. And I had a grenade on me. I threw it, but I threw it too low. And mm-hmm. But what I thought happened was that it went over the, the hump of this ramp and rolled towards right. them. It did not. It rolled back oh, to no. me and I died. Oh, no. But when Disaster. I got when I got to the kill log, I actually killed the two PMCs as well. Oh, okay. 
Well, it could have been worse. It, it wasn't as embarrassing as it could have been. That's, that's all right. That's only moderately embarrassing. Only like, only 30% of your dignity lost. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm, there were previous conversations where we've had about this, where it's like, when am I going to go back to the live game? And I feel like I'm getting close to that point. It's like you could read my mind. The thing of it is for me, like the, the part that holds me back, I think is the quests. Like the reason why I'm so far is because there are some quests where it's literally just, you know, take this marker and go to these three locations, throw a marker on it, and then exit. Yeah. I don't have the confidence that I would be able to do that in the live game. Like, there are going to be some quests, some tasks that I won't be able to complete because I'm going to get killed or I'm going to, I don't know, just death would be the main thing. But, you know, whether it be right. by yeah, other players, get snuck, on, you know, snuck up on or whatever. I just, in... in the single player version, I when I have to do those tasks, I just turn off the PVE. Like there is a literal checkbox and I just disable the PVE and I just go do those quests uninhibited. Like, I don't even I haven't even practiced those scenarios in the single player version. And maybe I should be, but I still feel like I'm not gonna make the type of progression that I've done here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a different experience for sure. But like you will, as we discussed, like you'll go back into that having had more time to learn about the maps and the systems and, and, um, you know, just from a knowledge and wisdom standpoint, you'll be better positioned to go into those situations than you would have been otherwise, even if your gear isn't, um, where it would be. And even if the risk level is much higher. Right. I, I'm, it's I, I just kind of need to do it, I think, and or at least like so. just play a game or two live and just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But the single player version is is still very satisfying, and it's I'm like having to tweak the AI modifiers and like getting close to that real experience is going to be more beneficial than I think just playing the live game. I mean, what's what's the thing that Reggie always says? uh to play it i believe he says to he says to play the game that is the some of the most wise advice from from anyone in gaming of all time i mean technically i am it's not that's true you are it's not the online game but it is the game play the online game that is is not what he he says it's not but it's what i'm modifying it i'm paraphrasing editorializing i don't know I will say that when I do play the live game, I am much more comfortable playing in a group than I am solo. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always been the case for me too. Playing. I mean, single player solo is not as horrifying as it used to be, but I sure as fuck jump every single time that like I get like snuck up on and someone starts shooting at me or I get tapped in the head so cleanly that I instantly die. That shit scares <laughs> the fuck out of me every single time. Dude, I straight up, Tarkov Online Solo is a fucking horror game. Yes. Like, absolutely. Full stop. There is there's no like you will you will not change my mind. That is a horror game. No, you're totally right. 
And well, not not you specifically, like you in general. No one can change my mind about this. I don't think anyone would argue. There, there's no I, one on this earth that can argue with you. I, I am literally the like change my mind sign meme guy. Oh yeah, yeah. About this. So that's the other element I think is like if I'm going to do this, I need someone to come with me. Uh that sounds like bait. It is. That's a trap. It is not. Ugh. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I, I mean, feel like, I, I, feel like I, I can I'd... Sherpa you through most of these maps now. Like that, that is the thing that you said earlier is absolutely true. I've learned these maps now. I know them that's top good. to bottom. Uh, there are that's, obviously that's a, a few that I don't like interchange is still a yeah. little confusing for me reserve. I don't know very well, but like factory is like, I could do that with my eyes closed. Uh, customs <laughs> that's I the can one do. that scares me the most. Um, that's a far cry better than what we were doing like a year ago where like we were both going in still trying to learn the maps and you knowing them slightly better and me just being like, okay. Um, yeah, I, so I was I was gonna hem and haw about this, and I was gonna complain and say how I just uh, removed like the last vestiges of of their inst- uh, launcher from the hard drive like a week a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. and then I realized I have not played Tarkov since my new PC build and since I got my new video card. True. So, um, and and if I recall, like part of my problems with that game, among many, which were mostly personal. Uh, and skill related, but like, you know, I, I had performance issues with that game that made it hard to, um, do okay. So just purely from a scientific standpoint, I suppose I could be cajoled into giving it another spin. And at the very least you could do the single player thing that I've been doing. Yes, that is, that is an option that I could explore. Um, and uh, but I can also give you my like settings that I'm using because I do have a lot of things turned down now. Yeah, uh, I this is not necessarily a game that you want everything turned up. I mean, there's certainly a performance set that goes along with it, uh, but for visibility purposes as well, you don't want everything turned up. Well, right, that's always sort of the thing with these games, and like PUBG was this way, and like anything that's like got heavy survival with with PvP the the higher graphical fidelity is not necessarily conducive to you staying alive and performing well in combat mm-hmm. which is such a weird thing right like it is you extremely would, weird it's such a disconnect and it almost feels like like cheat codes in a way like um like uh, maybe if i just turn everything down i can see all the players really well and then now <laughs> i have an advantage i don't know um i mean that's there was certainly kind of, an issue with it uh, specific to pubg that they had to fix. Oh man, it was bad. Cause wasn't it the I thing mean, like if you had like the grass, let's say, set to like uh-huh. off or low, but uh-huh. if someone else had it turned up, like you literally couldn't see the person laying in the grass. It was basically wall hacks if you turned grass off in that game. Um back back like way in the beginning. I, I don't I don't think it's as bad now. But but yeah, and, and like you keep seeing that sort of thing. I think like Apex Legends does a much better job of managing that. Uh but they also do a better job of ensuring high visibility of other players no matter what. Um like, hey wow, outline the other characters? Shocking. Um <laughs> turns out that helps a lot. So um yeah, I'll uh, I'll give it another download. Fine, you talked me into it. Yes. Just let me know where to, to send the link to the mod. 
Yeah. Well, and, and then we can sync up and play with all that free time that I have lately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's uh-huh. that's the cool thing now with, uh, you know, with Parsec and, and what we did on that preview for Everspace 2. That. Yeah. It, so, I mean, performance hits, of course, but you could stream that game and I can, in real time, walk you through an area. Yes. Um, also, you could use Parsec to walk me through some things as another oh, yeah. option. As well. Um, just saying. That's a that, thing we could do. That That is a thing we could do. So, I yeah. Like I mean, ultimately, my, my time with single-player Tarkov is very enjoyable uh, for a lot okay. of reasons because I'm in control of the server, you know, namely being one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, and being able to kind of ratchet up that difficulty by installing these AI mods and kind of deciding on like how I'm going to enter this raid. Like, do I turn the PVE off so I can just go do the thing or do I turn do it on for thing. that, for that added difficulty? Um, but I'm seeing right. quests that I probably will never ever be able to do in the live game. And yeah. that is kind of part of it as well. It's like, I wanted to see what all of these were about uh, because I do think like once I reach the end of the quest chain or someone's quest chain, I am going to get the option for a quest call uh, for the Kappa container. Oh, geez. Is this, I, I, is this a, Oh no, that, that is, that makes sense. That's not a Twitch thing. Cause they, it is, they a, it is a Twitch thing though, because is if, it though, if it Damn, was, it's... if it was military terms, it would have been a kilo container well nato alphabet but they do like alpha beta gamma delta like greek alphabet stuff in that game a lot they do so yeah i I guess guess, i guess it could be a twofer it could be a twofer um so that's also another thing that i want to do like i i have like one tier lower than the kappa which is the largest containers this it's a secure container which anything that you put into it comes out of a raid whether you live or die and (laughs) I, don't know I think that's funny. a really cool feature. I, I, I think it's cool. Um, yeah. But my version of the game is just, it gives me the container that's one tier lower than that. So I think it's an increase of like two or three spaces, which is a considerable amount. Yeah. Um, that is a lot. But I want to experience that quest. And I just, I my availability, my time, the things that I'm already doing, I'm not going to be able to get that far in the live game. So sure. I think there's still merits for me to continue to play this. Uh, but I still want to see if my skills are transferable to the live game. That makes sense. That's fair. That's a, that's a good science experiment as well. Like, yeah. Like, have I actually learned something? Have I, have I gotten better at doing the shooting? If, if I can make the guns right. that I'm making elsewhere. Yep. Yep. Like, is there growth here? Um, well, it sounds like but we both it. have some, some, some learning to do and some discoveries to make. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very happy with it and, uh, cool. It's going to have to be put to rest for some little nightmares too, but I, I recommend it if you can find it and if you know what you're looking for. Okay. That's fair. Um, you're you're very much still on your Yakuza bullshit, yes? Oh man, like I just too much. It's it's almost. It, I don't know if it's possible to have too much Yakuza, but I, I have a lot of it in my life lately. Go um, on. Yeah, I, well, it's weird because like 
you know, like we talked about, I haven't been playing a whole lot of any one thing recently, but I have been continuing to like pick away at Yakuza Zero when I have time to like work on, damn it, <laughs> uh, when I have time to work on that story. Um, you know, I play a few hours of Yakuza Like a Dragon on stream every week. And that game continues to just be delightful as hell. Finally reached the point where I've unlocked the Dragon Cart mini game in that game, uh, oh, which so is good. so, so fucking funny that they just built a cart racer inside of their JRPG. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's competent. I would say it's a competent cart racer. It's funny because like Sega also makes the Sonic racing, uh, games, right? And so some studio somewhere there has cart racing stuff, um, obviously like totally different engine and code base. So they probably realistically couldn't have brought it in. Um, but you know, uh, it's 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 mostly pretty good. Like it's, it's bizarre that there is an actual kart racing game in the middle of of Yakuza, and it uses like the tracks are based on the actual like map of the city uh, Ijincho. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got power ups. It's got ridiculous over the top characters. Um, it has drifting, although it's really a lot more just like uh, super tight corner turn. Uh, it's it's real weird to get used to. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of fun. It's like, a, it's you a collect rings, right? You do. So instead of like in Mario Kart games where you get coins to go faster, you collect rings in this, um, like our boys. No, no, no. Wait, are they rings or are they coins? They're coins. They are coins. They are um, coins. They're, I thought I it was rings like Sonic. Coin. Uh, well, I mean, in the Sonic racing games, you get rings, um, I believe Dragon Kart is coins. Uh, uh, this is all Mario Kart images in this Google image search. This is not helpful. Um, oh no, they're rings. Excuse me. I, I'm I'm watching your. Oh, I'm watching yep. the VOD. It's dragon shaped rings. You're right. It is dragon shaped rings. That is right. Yes, which is also great. Uh, and then the power ups are like you know steel briefcases, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. And like you can invest money and upgrade your cart so you get better over time as you scale the difficulties. And it's cool. Like I, I am weirdly looking forward to pouring too much time into that. Um, but I'm also at a point in the story where I, I I have story stuff I have to do. Like I'm stuck in the middle of a dungeon right now. Um, and I got to get out before I can go do more dragon cart. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's just... Every single play session that I spend with Like a Dragon, it just cements itself more and more. It's like one of my favorite games in the past 12 months. And I'm bummed I didn't get to spend more time with it in 2020 because uh, it this would have been on my top 10 list for the year. No, pro- like no question. Um, I feel like it's a, like a overused thing, but it, it is the game that keeps on giving. It totally is. It is because there's just there's so much to do in it. There's so many different types of activities and things to engage with. Um it's wild. And, you know, these games have historically been uh, only voiced in Japanese. And there is a very, very good English voiceover uh, in this game. And for streaming purposes, that's a very good way to play uh, so that people who might be doing things on multiple st- screens can still track what's going on. Um, but, yeah, man, it's it's just, it's it's wonderful. And, like, there are just more surprises every single time I sit down to play it. There's more 
uh, just wild shit coming at you from every angle. Like we sat down and did karaoke for half an hour straight in that game, right? Was it really a half an hour? I'm exaggerating, but it probably was something like that. And, you know, like you get a whole spectrum of types of songs in there, including one that's just like a straight up Evanescence style, um, you know, I'm not going to call it a jam, but like this is this is early 90s, like angsty rap rock. (laughs) And the music videos that they make to go along with them are hilarious. And which is only (sighs) triggered by successive uh, button prompts that are successful. Yeah, because you're playing like a kind of a crappy rhythm game as the karaoke songs are playing out and you have to get a high enough combo by a certain point in the song to unlock the the true music video. Um, but that's worth doing because those are hilarious uh, and, and absolutely ridiculous. Um, we did a side quest involving a crawfish. Like, yeah. uh, and what you was earned, it? It was a, earned a stream nickname out of it. I did, yes. That that made me into the Crawdaddy, uh, which is, I guess, a canonical nickname for me now. Wonderful. Oh man, maybe that. Maybe my next emote should be something Crawdad related. There you um, go. Oof. We'll see if it sticks. Anyway, yeah. That like a dragon is just um, it's 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 great. It's wonderful. I cannot recommend that enough. And then on top of both of those two, I have yakuza remastered for pc the or the remastered collection which is three four and five i have those in for review right now so i've been trying to spend time with each of those for like the first hour hour and a half of each of them just to get a feel for what's been done to them and how they run and you know how those games translate uh in a place where you know yakuza zero has come out since then yakuza 6 has come out since then like a dragon has come out since then like a lot of yakuza titles have been released since those um six isn't on pc yet right not yet but very soon very soon um let me look that up as well no i don't want to be in that window uh i have a i have a card in our tracker for reviewing that um as well we'll see if that comes together uh it's like late march i want to say that sounds right yeah, I want to say it's the end of March. Um, I Google is being useless and giving me release dates for the original, so that's fine. Anyway, um, so yeah, like I, I guess that means like there's five different Yakuza games that I've been playing in the past, or as many as five Yakuza games that I've been playing in the past week, so that's a lot. Um, and there is a stark difference between the old ones and the new ones. Like, no big shocker there, but... Um, yeah, mostly just that. And then, like, do you, a little bit so, of other things. So I guess the question is, do you feel like... I don't want to say cheapened, but do you feel... I guess really the question is, do you feel like they should have put more effort into 3, 4, and 5, like they did with Kiwami? Well, I mean, they're different types of projects, right? Like, Kiwami 1 and 2 are intended to be proper remakes, um, yeah. So I mean, do you use, think that they needed like oh, three, four, and do five? Do I think they should that? have? Yeah, yeah. Do I think they should have done Kiwami three, four, and five? Yeah. Um, that would have been nice. Um, but I can sort of see why they chose not to. Because um, like you know, those games have been big in they're big in Japan. Uh, <laughs> they've been big in Japan for a, a you know kind of since the series came out. And I don't think it was until Zero that the series really started to garner attention in the West in a big way. Um, and between Zero and then the, the you know, Kiwami 1 and Kiwami 2 kind of helping build steam uh, leading up to Yakuza 6's release, 
Um, like those things were all kind of important for, um, for kind of building brand presence and awareness. And I think I wouldn't say that Kiwami one and two were necessary, but I think they helped a lot because like if zero was a game that got people really interested in the series and if it came before those games, um, it makes sense to, and also they're the oldest ones, right? They're like PS two, uh, era. Yes. Yes. So they're most in need of a, a full overhaul like that. Um, you look at three, four and five, which I think are all PS three era. Um, they're, they're not quite so old technologically that you have to do that. Um, like, and I think the gameplay sensibilities had improved enough by then. So, you know, at this point, and, and, and you know, experts who I have consulted on the subject have said repeatedly, like, look, if you really want to get into these games, Zero and Like a Dragon are the, are the ones to play. And, you know, you can play six because uh, that book ends things pretty nicely. And the rest are just kind of like, you know, uh, one is supposed to be good too, I guess. Kiwami one's supposed to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, all the best gifts on the internet seem to be from Zero and Kiwami one and Kiwami two, and True. now and now like a dragon. But um, but yeah, like you know, until I have played them all, I can't say this definitively. But my guess is three, four, and five are you know skippable unless you're like a super diehard of the of the series and you really want to experience all of it. And those even would probably be something you'd go back and play way after you're done with, you know, kind of the newer releases. Um, so should they have done Kiwami three, four and five? I think, I don't think the returns on that effort and that investment would have been worth it. Um, I think, I think people are plenty happy to play versions of three, four and five that run on their, on their computers and modern systems. Yeah. Um, and they look fine, you know, like they're dated, but they're fine. Uh, they're, they're, they're serviceable, like in, in a way where, one and two would not have been acceptable uh, with this treatment, right? I, I don't think that three, four, and five have that problem necessarily. Okay. So, so this is this is fine, is what I'm saying. You heard it here first. <laughs> that's my that's my uh, my go to. This is fine. Everything's fine. Um, yeah, and then I I don't know, like what else have I even been playing? I don't know. Uh, some more of the medium, like I wrapped that up so that I could get that review up. Um, and let's look at my steam thing. Uh, oh, I finally, I I started playing Hades again a little bit and I had a really good run the other night and then like the circuit breaker in my office tripped and I lost my run right before I went to go fight Hades and that sucked. Um, did I see that you, you actually went back and played, uh, Sonic all stars? (laughs) Okay, yeah, fair question. Was, was, was there so, some research there? <clears throat> oh, totally. So the thing with playing Dragon Cart on the stream the other night is I was like, man, this is this is almost competent enough. This is almost what I want. Because um, I've been craving a kart racer on the PC for a while. And like, look, man, I have Mario Kart 8 on my Switch. I even have a capture card on my PC. If I really want to, I can play you know a good kart racer anytime I want. But not all of my friends have Switches and Mario Kart. And getting people together in a game on the Switch is harder. Shocker. So, <laughs> um, so I, I I've been like on this like sort of half-assed quest to figure out is there a decent kart racer on the PC that I could rally people together to play. Would you say and it was like a sub story? 
it was it's kind of like a sub story. Yeah, I don't I don't know that the reward is going to be all that good, but you know, it's it's the friends you make along the way, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I bought like the 2012 Sega and Sonic All Stars Racing Transformed. God, that's a that is an unwieldy title. It really um, is. Ugh. Uh, so I bought that like in a sale for like five bucks ages ago, which that pack came with. Uh, the Ryu from Yakuza uh, DLC pack with him uh, and his outrun arcade cabinet cart, which is uh, uh, uh. fucking awesome. <clears throat> um, so I, I downloaded and installed that and fired it up the other day because I wanted to see like, look, this thing's been around forever. People seem to like it. So I wanted to know if it was actually any good. Uh, one moment, throat clear. Okay. That's better. Um, so I... I mean, I went into it knowing it was going to be a very different experience. Um, and like, you know, also, let's just backtrack two seconds. You and I did test Gar- Garfield card out last year. Uh, yes. We finally gave in and gave it a shot. And that game was ass. Uh, Super ass. <laughs> like it couldn't even run. I mean, there's nothing graphically challenging about it. Also, like the lo- like the scripting was broken and like races didn't work right. Like it was Holy shit! What a what a tire fire! The, um, the sequel is uh, four dollars and forty nine cents right now. Is it really? And if you get the lasagna uh, bundle, uh, which uh, it's basically the, the both games, but at a greater discount, it's three dollars thirty seven cents. Well, and like if you own one of them already, it yeah, knocks, it's, uh, it, it brings it down is, even further. I see, I see. Well, and so here's the thing about Garfield Card is like. It's got a very, uh, it's got a very positive rating on Steam. It does, which is is which is one of these things where I'm convinced it's a troll rating, right? Like, people don't actually think this game is good. Um, and and then yeah, the new one has a has a very positive ratings as well. Uh, so I don't know what to make of this, and, and now I'm very tempted just to spend the five bucks or less, the three bucks on Garfield Kart, uh, Furious Racing. And just to see as part of a research experiment, but I see, think I'm I, disappointed. I think it's just furious. Like if it was furious, I think you're right. it would be, it would have to have two R's in it. I know, but like, you know that they want you to think it at least. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> um, anyway, so like I already knew original Garfield cart was garbage and not to be bothered with. Um, but yeah, I went into Sonic and all stars racing transformed expecting like, semi okay and knowing that it was going to be different from Mario Kart and um it definitely does stuff different and it but it's mostly pretty good and I was like kind of having to get used to the ways that it felt different and like boy that that is a it is a Sega ass feeling game and and I don't know how else to explain it other than that and like once you play it you'll be like ah yes um like I don't know like it's got so many of the same qualities that Mario Kart does. Like it's, you know, the art style is very cartoony and it's very oversaturated, but there's a big difference between the way Nintendo goes super hard on oversaturation with color versus the way uh, Sega does it. Right. And yeah, like, I don't know. Say like Nintendo might turn saturation up by like 20%. And I feel like Sega just cranks everything up to a hundred. It's, it's fucking wild. Um, I don't know. I, I, this is not a complaint. Like it's 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 okay. And I was like, I was set to like kind of keep playing races and keep unlocking stuff. Um, and then, like one lap into the second course, I was trying to play, the game just crashed to desktop. <laughs> and I was like, 
okay, if we're going to have problems like this, this is not viable. So it got no. booted off the hard drive. So I've been like reading a bunch of articles about like, okay, well, what are the best kart racing games on the PC? And a lot of them say the Sonic ones. And I guess the new Sonic one is pretty okay. Yeah, I didn't um, like it. Uh, I was going to bring it up if you didn't. I didn't like it. Okay. I don't think it's very so good. So what's wrong with it? So it is, I mean, it, it is very much the name that it says it is. So it's Team Sonic Racing. Uh-huh. And it is very team oriented. Like there's a lot of like virtual baton kind of things going on. Like there, there are like moves, there are racing things where like you have to work with your, in most cases, AI partner to, you know, like slingshot or grab an item that's like high up. And it, I don't know, man, like I just don't, I don't like the don't sound of any of that. I don't. It is not good. I don't. It like sounds how like it a. Works. It sounds like a half-assed attempt at like a Mario Kart Double Dash kind of thing. That's that is the thing that I think that they were trying to go for, and I don't think they pull it off. Well, and like you know, that didn't necessarily pan out for Double Dash. Like Nintendo never went back to that well. So why the maybe take a, a hint and don't try that again? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, so like there's all these team moves to do and it just I don't know. It just did not do anything for me. I didn't like it. That's too bad. Um Yeah, okay, good. Well, I won't spend $40 on that. Um so yeah, I don't know, man. I just like, I I am I am trying to find something that feels like a good stand-in. And maybe the answer and we've had this conversation before, maybe the answer is is Forza Horizon 4, you know, or <laughs> It's not cards you know, at all. Uh, it's not carts at all. Or maybe it's burnout paradise. Like, fuck, you know, I, but that's the thing is like, I want a cart racer. I really want a decent cart racer on the PC. And I just like, no one has made it. Um, we have, we have to try not, Garfield not cart too. Maybe we should try Garfield cart too. Maybe we should do it after we're done recording just to be ultimate masochists. Um, I have a feeling I know how that's going to go. Um, I don't know. And, and like, and yeah, like maybe I just need like a more of an arcade racing game and not, um, not a cart racer, but that's hard because like a cart racer is what I want. And it makes me wish Dragon Cart in Yakuza was just slightly more refined because it's almost exactly what I want. You know, mm-hmm. like the course design is so Mario Kart inspired and like the way that they work with power ups and boosts and like characters, like they really get close. It's it's funny, funnily enough, the closest I've seen any cart racing game get. And it's not even a cart racing game. It's a it's a mini game within a bigger game. My head hurts. <laughs> it's a lot. I am I'm very uh, much enjoying watching you play it. I still don't think this is a game that I will play for myself, uh, but I will play vicariously through you. Well, and that's fine, because like by the time I'm done, you won't need to play it. You'll have seen it. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Um blah. And then I guess the other thing that's worth mentioning is over the past two weeks we have both been playing through Halo 3 and kind of reliving that experience. Um and and we did we did a smart thing this time where we didn't talk about it last week because we didn't want to fall into the trap of repeating ourselves uh, this week, which is what we've done with every previous Halo game we've talked about. Pretty much. Because <laughs> they take us two weeks to get through. Uh, or two and we discovered this on our own through no feedback given to us. Nope, nobody pointed it out. We figured it out all on our own. Uh, we are professionals. And we definitely know how to spot mistakes without people pointing out that we had almost the exact same discussions two weeks in a row. Exactly. So, um, Halo 3 is a very different beast from the prior two games. And 
I say, I would say, like, even, even with all of the visual enhancements that Halo 2 Anniversary received, Halo 3 still holds up surprisingly well in a lot of ways. It does. From a visual standpoint. And from a gameplay standpoint, it's just, it's still excellent. Like, that game is still incredibly fun to play. It is. And it definitely shows, like, Bungie's, like, learning as they go because like halo one had that really slow level the library right oh that's the one and then they kind of did it again in two but it was less of that and then in three it's even less than that so yes they're taking these things they're trimming what doesn't work down they're not completely getting rid of it and i think that's fair i don't think they needed to do that but they are trimming it and Halo 3 was probably, it probably had the least friction, right, of any Halo game. (laughs) With one level exception. Um, Well, even then. Even then it wasn't that bad, you're right. Um, Because you could just still blitz through it even, you know, when you weren't being slowed down by uh, unskippable walk and talk sequences. (laughs) Um, Here's an overlay of Cortana. Saying weird shit. (laughs) <laughs> and we're going to fuck with the FOV every time, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the time, from a presentation standpoint, in 2007, that was pretty awesome. Um, does not translate super great now in terms of just like, look, we've seen this trick and it takes us out of the experience. I would rather us not have to deal with it, please. Uh, but hey, you know, you got to get you got to leave it in there for for uh, preservation's sake. You do. Um, but yeah, like the the presence of the flood as an enemy in that series gets repeatedly diminished over the course of the three games, and that works from a story standpoint because the 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 um, like the infighting and the conflict of the species within the covenant takes much more priority in terms of story, um, and it plays out more on screen, and so that that makes for more interesting conflict, um, and the flood. The, you know those sequences are so tedious in in Halo One and Two that like having like you know I went into three dreading like man I don't remember how much of that we have to deal with but I know I'm not looking forward to it yeah. right and then finding out that it's really just one level that's only the flood um, but it's funny like because in-, in each game they introduce the flood at the exact same point. It's like 70% into the game, there's yeah. the flood. Every single Literally game. rhyming story beats too. Yeah. Right? Like, um, and, it, and that was the funny thing too, is like seeing how much of the story beats and the plot structure of Halo 2 rhymed and, and kind of almost repeated the same um, word gone from head. But it, 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 it just followed so similarly the way that Halo 1 worked. And so 3 broke away from that in a pretty successful way. We, anyway. we also got very uh, kind of loose on this game in terms of like how much we were being invested in the story, which I think part of that has to do with now this was the one where I, I guess maybe Reach 2, but we were very synced on like we knew the story beats. We knew everything about it. There wasn't anything new for either one of us to experience. So we were able to just kind of have more fun with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Like this is this was the one that we could just fuck around with the most. And and honestly, the gameplay makes the most room for that, <clears throat> I think. It does. Um yeah, like 
and, and of all, we've played through four of the Halo games now, um, including Reach, which was newer than Halo 3. And Halo 3 is still easily the one that I would most happily go back and play again. Like I would, I would almost sign up for an annual playthrough of that. I think. Okay. Maybe that eh, might be a little much, but I would sign up for regular, like revisiting that one every couple of years, because uh, that's 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 just a good romp. It's a no-brainer, but it is also interesting to to see like how much easier it is playing just one difficulty lower than what I played it at, and also playing it in co-op. So sure. I, I played yes. it you know on heroic solo and it felt not a slog but it was it was a gauntlet to get through the game yeah. you know any halo game really um, uh-huh but now it's it's just i mean and then the added layer of mouse and keyboard just all of those things kind of you know i guess reducing friction and at those points as well yep uh, is allowing me to enjoy these games more than I more than I ever did the first time. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Like and I had a I had a blast with Halo 3's campaign when it came out and I co-opt through that with friends. Um but yeah, there's something different and special about it now and especially because like like you said, like a big part of how we um how we would interact with this stuff when we were younger was like let's let's challenge ourselves to play on as hard of a difficulty setting as we can. And now it's like, nah, man, like that's not how I'm getting enjoyment out of this anymore. Like the way I'm getting enjoyment out of this is as a way to hang out with my friends. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it just, it's just delightful. Um, so I'm almost sad that it's over. Uh, cause uh, I'm, I'm worried we've hit the high point. Like we've crested and ODST will be fun but not to the same level and then i just don't even know what to expect from halo 4 yeah i don't remember much of what i've played of halo 4 it was only like the first couple of hours or levels so but odst though like what i mean coming off the high of halo 3 being my first halo game that i played and seeing like what odst was about but then also the added layer of like the entire cast is literally battlestar galactica and firefly (laughs) <laughs> that is the cast yeah. of odst that's and true that's true i am all in for that oh man i i kind of forgot about that element like obviously fillion is in there um it's it's gonna gina torres it's alan tuddick it's nathan fillion it's oh my god i think katie right. sackoff and trisha helfer you're right yes holy shit wow that's uh it's pretty sweet I, I forgot like I forgot that it was that many members <laughs> of the Firefly cast. Uh actually it's uh you know what Katie Sackhoff is not in this. She isn't. Okay. Then it's she, just Trisha it's just Trisha Helfer. Okay. But all the same, like it it Still. was it was enough to pull me in. Oh yeah. No, it's like there's 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 serious uh value in that. Um yeah, I, it'll be fun, and it's. Oh, very Katie Sackhoff was in Halo chassis. Three. Oh, really? Uh, just a standard female Marine voice, though, not a named uh, memorable character. Not, not like uh, Chubbs Grigo or whatever his name is. Like he's popping <laughs> that achievement. Who is that guy? I have no idea. Halo Four was in 2012. Yeah, that was that was nine years ago. 
Oh my god. Does it make How it a classic game? No. Never. Can but you get that's nostalgic that's, for Halo 4. God, that's nuts. I don't I don't like this at all. I feel bad now. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, cool. Moving on. Um Uh there's some there's some good TV shows on Disney Plus. It turns out, yeah, man, I I'm not even paying for it, and I'm and I'm getting some great content and enjoyment out of it. Which deal did you get? Uh, the Verizon deal. I get a, uh, a year of Disney Plus with Verizon. That's that's solid. We just finally started coughing up and paying for it like two months ago. Um, and I I mean, hey, it's it's cheap, so I'm not. Yeah, even then, like once this one one year deal is over, we're, we're gonna pay the eight bucks for it because yeah you gotta um i finally finished the mandalorian i powered through both seasons and and i'm ready to talk about it damn it (laughs) all right i don't know uh well and it's funny i see that because like we've been talking about it to death on the discord server recently so so like are we talking spoilers or are we just talking like yeah, that's fair. Let's let's like hey, look, uh spoilers for the Mandalorian from this point out. So, skip ahead to the next chapter if that's a thing that you're not interested in hearing. How now, do you feel free, free reign? How do you feel about the the helmet situation? Should he have it off more or <clears throat> on more? Well, and, and so like, you know, I I've watched everything in the span of a couple weeks, so I feel like a lot of details are fresh in my head. There is a really interesting, you know, line from Katie Sackoff, uh, you know, from, from Bo-Katan about, you know, her identifying him as a member of like an offshoot cult yes. of the Mandalorians and how they're kind of like viewed as extremists uh, or fundamentalists probably is the better way of putting it. And, you know, and, and, and like you see, keep seeing other Mandalorians or people who, you know, kind of came from that culture in the show who have no problem taking their helmets off. And so you realize like, okay, yeah, um, maybe, maybe Mando is, um, doesn't know that he's like, has no idea that he's, he's kind of part of this fundamentalist sect of, of Mandalorians. Right. Um, and so that's interesting, right. That, and, and that lends a lot of like, there's already weight to the idea that like, you know, he's not allowed to take his helmet off. Right. And anytime he does, it's like very significant for him. Um, but knowing that like there's sort of this freedom for him to explore where maybe he'll be okay if he does is interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, Pedro Pascal is awesome and I would love to see more of him like outside of the helmet. So like, sure. Um, but like, God, that moment where he pulls his helmet off for Grogu toward the end of the season two finale is so fucking touching. Like yeah. that I, I like, I, I am not ashamed to say it. I teared up at that moment. Cause like, and again, like I, I get super misty about like anything remotely parental in, in like good television. And yeah. Once you become a parent, so. like all of a sudden your emotion chip is turned on and you're like, what the fuck is this? Why am yeah. I feeling this? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's very relatable. Right. And like you, and it's funny, like you know, Grogu's like it is. He's like fifty years old or whatever, but he's still like a little toddler. And um, you know, him like reaching out and touching Mando's face, and it's so cool because like in that moment, you know what he wants, like you know what he's trying to communicate. And he, and he, and 
God, he, he takes his helmet off and it's so, I man, I just like, it hit me big. And I was like, this is poignant. a beautiful moment. And it's, it is poignant and it's significant for Mando as well, because like, this has been such an important part of his identity and such an important part of his life and the way that he thinks about himself. And like to do something like this would be, you know, akin to giving up who he is in his mind. Right. Yeah. But but you already know from the previous episode that he's maybe crossed um, a threshold in the way he thinks about that stuff because he does it uh, when they're infiltrating that Imperial base, oh, right? That is um, a really good episode. That episode's fantastic. Uh, just as a standalone caper, it's like, it's really, really well put together. Um, also, side note, <clears throat> so, so the, you know, to use that terminal, you had to do a face scan, Right. Right. And I was under the impression that it would not accept input from someone who wasn't registered in the system. Yeah, now, I think maybe there, I there's story stuff there. No, you're right. And I think that there's some story stuff there to to explore in, in yeah, season so, three. Yeah, like why, and especially if Mando was taken in by this sect of Mandalorians as a child, and if that terminal really does only operate for people in their database, how the fuck did his face pass the scan? Questions. Right. Right. Um, uh, I, I really this, wa- I wanted to the show's out. good at doing the thing where they like explain something for you that mm-hmm. you've had questions for. So it's always been like, what is a Mandalorian? And the answer is, yes. we're not a race. It's a creed or an idea or whatever. Yes, I, which I love that. I thought that was really good. Um, so, so yeah, like, knowing that he's already kind of gotten to this point where he he understands it's not the end of the world and that there are moments where it is appropriate for him to make a choice for a situation as opposed to just blindly following a tenet of his teachings... Um, that's really cool, right? I would love to see more of him with the helmet off, but it's also just a really good looking helmet. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, so one thing that I noticed, so as a part of finishing, uh, Mandalorian, uh, ended up watching the sequel trilogy, uh, because I'd only seen the force awakens once, uh, last Jedi once and had never seen, Rise of Skywalker. So we all watched the sequel series. uh, And the thing that I picked up on, and it's just, it's obviously going to be coincidence, but in The Last Jedi, Captain Phasma has a Baskar spear that looks almost identical. No shit. Yes. Oh my God. It's like they've been weaving this shit in. So there, there's even some like suggestive elements, and this is completely things that I have picked up on my own, and I haven't even researched it. Um, but there's suggestive elements to me, anyway, that like maybe Phasma had something to to do with what happens to Mandalorian. I don't know. Yeah, could be just a coincidence. I mean, they could have mass manufactured these spears, and by mass manufactured of Baskar, I mean like ten. But like, yeah, I don't know. There's just, I think it's interesting. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's, that's a good find. Uh, I had not paid attention to that at all. Are you looking, are you looking at it now? I am, I am looking at it right now. Uh, interesting. 
I love that that fight scene uh, in the episode where uh, Asaka is um, like facing off with what's her face and like you know, yeah they, they jam like she jams the the spear into the ground to make it ring. Yes. Um, mm. There's just there's so many great little touches in this show. Oh, and, so if you want to talk about touches, yeah, there, I do. I'd love to talk. There about touches. is the episode where Boba Fett um, is flying. Uh, the slave one, uh-huh. and oh, he, speaking of which, did you get just fucking chills the first t- time that thing showed up on screen? Yes, yes, I did. Yes, yes. Continue. <laughs> and so there, there's a moment where he lets off a bomb, and it's it's that bomb where uh, in episode two of Star Wars of the movies, episode two of the movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones, where Django Fat, Fett, uh, no Django it? Fat, that's canon Jango. now. <laughs> that's his cousin. That's his cousin. That's right. <laughs> he's he's only we only see him at like uh, at holidays and funerals. You wrote to Django and... Fat in the notes. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I can put it in the notes, it's good. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway. So he lets off the bomb and it does the thing where it's silent and then all of a sudden it's the that has been my favorite sound effect in the entire Star Wars movies. But the fact that in this show they use the exact same bomb with the exact same sound effect that Boba is now using. It was just it was just chef's kiss for me like that. That was probably a deep cut for a lot of people, but it it really worked for me. What if I told you that I have just found a YouTube video, which is a comparison of the sound of the same bomb from episode two versus the one in the Mandalorian? If you're going to tell me it's different, I'm going to tell you that you're a liar. I'm not going to watch it right now uh, because I don't want to distract from the discussion, but I'm going to we can both review this together later. I mean, I think it'll be a little bit off, but I don't think I do not think that it is a completely different sound effect. Oh, I, I'm sh- I'm sure it's very similar, um, but all but, the same, but, like the just the the cadence of it being a thing where it gets let loose from the ship, it's completely silent, then detonates, then there's a sound mm-hmm. with the accompanying shockwave is so satisfying. I really love that sound effect, that's and nice. I. It it sounds really good. Uh, like if you have your sound system cranked when that thing goes off, it is. Oh, I'm always fully satisfying. cranked. Always. <laughs> uh, that sounds yeah, like no, that's, the, that's... the subtitle to Cranked Three. <laughs> what fully cranked? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can get down on fully cranked. I whatever happened to Cranked Three? By the way, I don't know. They just stopped after two. They thought that was enough. I but I thought for sure they were gonna do another one, like because I loved those movies are bad, but I love them. Like they're really bad, straight up. I think two was like worse, but also better. Yes, agree. It was it was even more over the top and stupid, but it also knew exactly what it was. Um, Where I was going with all of this is I think. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. I think Did the you way have a point that you were trying to make? The way that Mandalorian just ties itself into like these these moments from the Star Wars movies and it yes whether it be like a a, a sense of place or a, a callback or 
feeling nostalgic or whatever, like whenever it makes these connections, it is done so with like the utmost respect and like honesty. There is never yes. anything that feels forced. No, no, it's it's very, very well woven back into the lore and what has come before it. And like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase something I wrote on Twitter last week. Um, but the, the reason why I think the show is so wonderful is because it, it centers and, and focuses on all of these people and places and concepts that were all at the periphery of the original trilogy and like the small details that we all obsessed about when we were younger. Right. And like, you know, like, the IG droids, right? Like you see IG 88 in the background of a scene for two seconds and <laughs> people are like, that thing's fucking cool. I want to know more about that. Um, yep. you know, Boba Fett similar, uh, to, you know, but obviously there's more Boba Fett on screen. Um, you know, it, it's just, you see all sorts of those little details expanded on and like, you want to know about more about some of these locations, some of these races, how they, you know, uh, how they operate. Like there's that great episode in, in season two with the Mon Calamari and what their home planet or one of their home worlds is like and, and mm-hmm. what their, their day to day is like. And of course they're a fishing culture because you know, why wouldn't they're they so be? goddamn cute? They are cute. Um, and it's just, it's fucking awesome. And it, the universe, universe feels so lived in and so like gritty, but not in a, in a way that's um, like ridiculous. Like it feels authentic and it's just like a whole, you know, it's a whole galaxy full of people just living their lives, trying to do their day to day shit. <laughs> and in a way where <clears throat> I don't know if it was just because we were younger and the original trilogy was like just magical in a way and we could focus on those details, but there was something about the way that they were constructed to me uh, and in my memory that made, that invited you to think about them. And I think every time we've seen those same sorts of things come up in both the, the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy, um, like you, you do go to more exotic locations. You do see little snippets of things and characters and people. And most of the time, like I just don't care about any of it, you know, like I don't spend time thinking about it. Um, and I don't know if it's because they're, they're trying too hard to say, like, oh, look at all these people and things and like, look at all the, the ways that this is a fleshed out place. Um, or if it's just that, you know, I don't know what. Um, but they the, the Mandalorian captures all of that perfectly. And there's such a reverence for what made Star Wars special in the first place. Um, and like not a hot take at all, but truthfully, I think this is the best thing that's happened to the series since the original trilogy. No, I'm with you. I I do enjoy the prequel. I actually, I enjoy the prequel series more than I like the sequel series of the movies. That's my take. Yeah. I can see how that would be the case. Um, They're both really uneven is the thing. Absolutely. Um, I have lots of other thoughts on this. Uh, the cameos have been really sh- good. I like I like the Django, not Django. God damn it, Boba Fett's uh, like how there's kind of like this uh, spinoff intro of like what he's going to be doing next. Yeah, that's that's an interesting tease. Um, 
I'm still trying to decide how I feel about it. Although I love the way that they handled the reveal, like him just sauntering into Jabba's palace and yeah. all those same motherfuckers are still hanging out in there. And he's just this like, listen, I got a bone to pick with y'all. <laughs> um, do you know how long uh, Mandalorian takes place after Empire? It's it's not too long. It is my understanding. It's like two to three years. It is not that long sounds at about all. Right. That sounds about right. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's, that could be cool. Like, there's part of me that wants Boba Fett to stay like a peripheral character who just kind of is hanging out in other people's stories. Like, yeah, I'm I'm unconvinced of that character's ability to carry a show by itself, even though that's the thing I've wanted for like, I don't know, 25 years. <laughs> um, but now, now seeing how successful Mandalorian is, because it really the Mandalorian has been that show for me. Um, like, do I care about Boba Fett that much anymore? But I would love to be proven wrong. But the thing of it is, is there's like two quote unquote problems that Mandalorian has created that they now have to answer for. And it's also one of those things where it's like, sometimes there are questions you don't need answers to or are better left unanswered. Right. So the two things are, how did Boba Fett survive? The Sarlacc. Right. Like, yep. So they're going to have to explain that. And that. That's probably going to be a thing for his own show to, to explain, obviously. And then the other, which ties into the bigger thing of Mandalorian, is Luke Skywalker's retrieval of Grogu after receiving the message from right from that summoning. Yes. Now, now, really, it's not about answering questions. It's about the fact that they've opened the door to more questions. Yep. So now it's yep. like, what has Luke been doing? What is he going to do after this? What happens to Gro- like? And then obviously, there's all these questions about like, what even happens to Grogu? Yeah, because like, why do we not see any of him in the in the sequel trilogy? Um, and you know, maybe he's not dead. Maybe there is a very good reason why he's not around. But um, but yeah, like that's that's the big burning one. Is like, God, he doesn't get he doesn't get murked by by Ben Solo, <laughs> does he? Um, yeah. I have I find that hard to believe. I feel like Grogu's like he's t- he's too uh that that little dude seems like he can too get wily. out of just about any scrape. Yeah. Yeah, if if a 800-year-old Yoda can flip around a, a throne <laughs> oh, room. God. Oh god. Then certainly a 100-year-old Grogu will do just fine. Yeah, a, a spry young lad of 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 a century. Um, yeah, that's so, just uh, they're great. painting the, themselves into some corners here, but I, I don't think that they won't be able to get out of it. It's just, they've, they've gotten themselves into some precarious situations that they, they have to answer for. And that it's going to be interesting to see how they answer it. And if that can be satisfying. I agree. Um, you know, I think they've, they've done such a great job with the writing thus far. Um, like Dave Filoni's done a phenomenal job. Favreau's um, stories have been great. Like I, I, I trust them. I think they're going to handle it fine. Uh, Bryce um, Della, Dallas Howard has been doing a lot of uh, direction. Oh my God. And she's been doing her, wonderful. Her episodes have been so wonderful. Yeah. They've been, they've been fantastic. I, I am. And I've, I've heard she's returning to direct more episodes of season three, which it sounds like is in production already. I do um, believe. Yeah. God, that's great. I need more of the show in my life and in my veins. Uh, let's see here. I'm, 
I, just as a as a warning, I'm having to plug my headphones in because the battery is going, and and I don't know if I'm going to lose your audio temporarily or not. But hey, right. you know, we'll figure it out. Nope, I can hear you. We're it's good. not important. It's the, it's really not. Um, I meant my audio, ju- and I'm glad you agree. Your your audio is is incredibly important to me. <laughs> uh, should we talk about Gina Carano for a second? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. So yesterday, uh, was it yesterday or was it today? I like time is meaningless to me. It was yesterday, right? Yes. Well, yesterday. which means Wednesday, uh, for those of you listening at home, um, it? it was announced that Gina Carano was no longer employed uh, by by the show and that she would not be returning as Cara Dune um, due to statements that she has made on the internet and, and views she has expressed, which, uh, you know, do not align with what Disney wants to be representing. Um, more specifically, she's, you know, had a long history of, of anti-Semitic remarks. She has, uh, you know, made several transphobic comments and jokes over the years. Uh, she has derided mask wearing and, um, you know, other, sort of uh, precautionary, like pandemic related things that, you know, things that we have typically seen from the far right. Yep. Um, and I can't say that I am remotely surprised by this at all. Uh, I didn't even know that this stuff was going on with her, but I just had a hunch. Um, so, so for me, I knew that this was going on and this had ooh. actually been a, so none of this is even new really. There's been, I don't even want to say like a campaign, but there's been effort in in people from Twitter and the internet trying to get Disney's attention that she was problematic and she was, yeah, you know, using her voice uh, in an un- unwise way, yeah. and and so really for me, like probably the second half of season one through all of season two, like her appearances have been detrimental to my enjoyment. And yeah, that is completely aside from her terrible acting. Right. Right. And like, that's the thing is for me, she's been the weakest part of the show full stop. And I like, I don't, everyone's performances have been so strong and, and her in this role has been confusing to me because like, sure, she has the physicality for Cara Dune. I get that. Her line delivery is consistently terrible and it mm-hmm. pulls me out of scenes. So like, how are you keeping this job lady? Um, and like, and this is, this was how I felt even before I knew any of this was going on. Like I, I made a, a vague tweet when I was, I had my big thread of like, here's my late Mandalorian takes. Right. And, yeah. and I said something about like, Hey, there's one casting choice. I'm not super sure about. Uh, and this was like, you know, from the first episode she was introduced and like, I never followed up with it on Twitter on that thread. Um, but yeah, like, you know, her, her performance just continued to be bad. And there were, there were a few times where it was like, okay, but for the most part, it's just like, it's like, what was she doing there? Um, so I'm not sad about this at all. <laughs> um, like, I think it's unfortunate because I think there's a lot of opportunity with that character. Sure. Um, I mean, they could recast her and a lot of people are saying, Hey, what's Lucy Lawless doing? Yeah, that's a good call out. What is she doing? 
And like, and this is a weird thing because like, you know, you don't see major roles get recast a lot of the time in shows anymore because like, uh, that's, you know, people are less tolerant of that. Um, yeah. People get attached to a certain way a character looks or behaves or whatever. Yeah. This would, this would make loads of sense. Um, anyway, y- you know, again, like not that surprising to me. Um, you know, and of course, like people are the same people who complained about like, um, God, I'm, I'm awful. Uh, hang on a second. Let's just do a little intermission while I look something up. Uh, well, I will go ahead and read a a tweet that I retweeted this morning. Okay. uh, From, uh, Phil Hornshaw, uh, a friend of mine who works over at GameSpot. He said, how will the Mandalorian go on without Cara Dune? A character with such incredibly <laughs> memorable lines and moments like a... And that's the tweet. And that's the tweet. A thousand percent. Like that's... There is nothing memorable about her other than like her appearance. Like the her presence in a scene. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely true. Um, so, so what I was going to say is like the same crowd that went apeshit over... Kelly Marie trans portrayal of Rose in um, episode seven. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, you know, like she had her role significantly diminished as did John Boyega. Right. Um, Right. Because, you know, outcry like, Oh, here's the SJWs coming in to ruin star Wars because we have diversity in the casting, which is fucking bullshit. And of course now they are rushing in to try and defend Gina Carano and like crying cancel culture. And it's like, I don't know how many times we have to have this conversation. It's not fucking cancel culture. If you're shitty and you get fired, that's called consequences. Yes. Um, I do remember I don't, before uh, like this happened this week. Um, maybe maybe it was between season one and season two, but I do remember like Pedro Pascal and I think even Carl Weathers. Whoever it was, it was cast members coming out and saying, like, we enjoy working with her. It wasn't, like, fully in defense. It was just more, like, on set, she's not, like, what she has been on Twitter. On yeah, set, sure. she's been it- professional. On set, she's been fun to hang out with. You know, and they weren't, like, in full defense. And they, I think some did say, like, I, I wouldn't like to not see her go. But it wasn't, it wasn't very committed, let's say. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, is, like the reality of the situation is like not everyone who holds, you know, views of, well, look, not everyone who holds or espouses certain negative views is like, you know, necessarily just an awful person all the time. Right. And that's what makes this stuff hard is like, you know, we're not, not everyone is fully defined by their political beliefs or their beliefs that stem from that. But you also can't discount the harm that's caused by speaking about those beliefs publicly when you have a platform um, and like, was Gina Carano fine to work with? I'm sure she was, she was probably perfectly pleasant and maybe even enjoyable to hang out with, but she probably like to the point that you just made, she probably wasn't spouting anti-Semitic, like anti-mask, <laughs> like, you know, a whole bunch of like really offensive, abrasive shit, uh, around her cast members. Right. Um, and so like, I don't know, it's like, I don't, ugh. like this, this is hard. Like this is the, th- like people are super messy. And, you know, there like we all have multiple versions of ourselves that we show uh, in different contexts. But 
man, it's like, that's gotta be hard. Like someone who you thought was relatively pleasant or like, you know, fun to work with, like ends up having some really shitty opinions. Right. Um, yeah. Like that feels bad. It doesn't change the fact that those opinions are shitty and that, um, you know, they, they probably like, if those things don't align with the way that a, you know, a, a corporate entity wants to present itself, um, again, like, it's called consequences. We've been taught about this since we were children. Um, it happens. <laughs> yep. And I, yep. I mean, whatever they do with the character or not, I mean, I'm going to enjoy the Mandalorian more, however it goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to more of that show regardless. Uh, and, and like, to your point, I don't think the absence or presence of the Caradoon character is going to really change how, how I think of that show at all. Um, and, and that's, that's okay. That's a lot better than it turning out that say, I don't know, Pedro Pascal, uh, or Grogu himself is a shithead. <laughs> like <laughs> Grogu's out here on Twitter, just like being super racist <laughs> is anti calamari sentiments or stirring up, uh, <laughs> stirring shit up everywhere. Uh, <laughs> Woo. so um, having, having watched the Mandalorian, uh, I really thought that there was going to be a scene, maybe, or something about how Grogu talks or likes to eat chicken, and that never comes or up. Eggs. So I have, I still don't understand how there's memes of like chicken nuggies. Like I, I don't get it. Okay, I, I do know where that comes from, and it's like one of these like three degrees of connection sort of things. Okay. I don't even want to get into it. That's it's just, fine. Look, like the chicken nuggies meme exists, right? And Grogu is like a toddler and toddlers love chicken nuggies. And so let's just mash them together because we're the internet hive mind and we can do this. <sighs> I honestly think that's all it is. Okay. Um, it's, it's dumb though. I've never, I don't like, the, I, I think chicken nuggies is a stupid fucking meme. Yep. And I don't like seeing it applied in this way. I understand it entertains some this people. This feels like fine. old men yelling at the internet at this moment. Oh, I'm, that's what this podcast is. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's another title candidate. We've got a fucking, like, <laughs> just a, a boatload of them this week. Uh, <laughs> um, should we should we talk about, like, a, a, a show that's actually ongoing and, like, isn't stale? Because uh, at least currently does not contain a cast member that is infuriating that we know of. Yes. Um, at the present, at the present, everyone's at the present. Great. Uh, yeah. So WandaVision is like kind of amazing. And I'm realizing that as we're recording this, the next episode comes out in 16 minutes. Um, <laughs> so depending on how long it takes me to, to mix this episode, when we're done, I might stay up late, especially cause I don't have to work tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Must be nice. It, it is sometimes. Um, so, yeah, WandaVision is fucking wild. Right? Man, like, I, so, man, like, I think, like, the first thing that comes to my mind is actually less about the show and it's more about the bad takes. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on that. Like, just everyone's, like, bad take, like, not even just, like, Twitter takes. It's, like, people who, who write for websites are writing, like, 
this show is a very slow burn. This is a bad sitcom. This is like, you should feel bad for watching this. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, this yeah. is a show about the details, not like what's being given to you, like in the clearest way. Well, and like all the promotional material made it very clear that episodes of WandaVision were going to be set up as classic sitcoms. This should not be a surprise, right? Um, Shouldn't be. And like, I I, I don't know. I mean, maybe people were just like, there's not enough being given to us here um, to to like justify this. And, And like the first two to three episodes are kind of a slow burn. I'll give them yeah, that. Yeah, but you like, have you have these like instances like the the very first episode with the dinner and the and the, yeah. and the dude choking and the the hesitation um the the like the anger like the yeah. whole dinner thing was like very disruptive, very not like anything else. Yep. And then and then they were introducing the commercials and like there's a very clear hydro reference in there. Multiple like, uh, of them in fact. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, it it seemed very obvious and very overt to me, like what totally. was going on. Yeah, it's it's like well, and it's it's really important set dressing and context setting for the rest of the show and what's going on. Like, I feel like if in episode one they rush straight into what's happening outside of the bubble, or excuse excuse me, outside of the hex, uh, which Cat Dennings will fist pump about now. Um, <laughs> you know, if they rush straight into that stuff, like that takes away the the bite of um and the impact of of like this presentation of like wow wanda is like playing things out as a sitcom and living her life this way this is fucked um and it it reduces the mystery factor right like i don't know people are those the, i feel like people with those takes are like they just they they have no patience and they have no like you know they're used to instant gratification right yeah that is true um, plus it's a TV show. Like it's going to take longer to get to things. Like that's sort of the thing that I love about TV is that you don't have to compress so much into such a small amount of time. Um, it's good. Any other I, bad I, takes I, I you lo- want to review? <laughs> what? Are there any other bad takes in the front of mind or? No, it was just that it was just like people either doing it for the sake of it or them wanting to, just stir the pot, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it was very weird to see these things coming out where like people didn't quite understand what the show actually was and couldn't see what was being given to them. Like what information was being surfaced. Some people wake up and choose violence on the internet. Um, <laughs> and, and like, they just want to complain about everything. Uh, and that, that ain't me. But, um, like, I, I just have learned to dismiss a lot of that stuff as, like, people will find literally anything to complain about. Uh, and uh, it's just, like, it's not worth me spending too much energy worrying about why they don't fucking get it. Yeah. Uh, but WandaVision is now doing this thing where I'm caring more about, like, the, the secondary characters than than even WandaVision. And nothing against them. It's just now... Th- the way things are going. 
Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm much more invested in those characters because for one, Kat Dennings is a character, like the character that she plays is a character from the first Thor. Yep. Like that. I mean, that's not necessarily a deep cut or anything, but I mean, like that is, that is a callback, a, a very interesting, you know, ways like you wouldn't expect yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's a good connection to the the greater MCU and like and similarly like you know we we have the introduction of Monica Rambeau's character, right? As an um, adult and, now. Yes, exactly. And like and how that ties into Captain Marvel's storyline. So there's threads being spun here, which is really cool to see. And you've got Randall Park uh returning uh, as Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man and he is it's, incredible. Uh, I want yeah, and like this I think you retweeted this uh, originally, but like, yes, please. Can we have a Randall Park show <laughs> or a, yeah, a Jimmy Woo show? Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's, there are just so many delightful moments in this. Um, and like as, as people who grew up watching sitcoms from these eras, uh, you know, just as, as kids, like there's the way that they touch on the nostalgia of that stuff is so awesome. Like it feels like literally watching old episodes of Dick Van Dyke or Bewitched or, you know, Partridge Family or Brady Bunch or whatever. Yeah. Um, and now I'm really curious to see, like, as of the the episode that came out last week, we're up to the 80s. Um, that style of sitcom. So I'm really interested to see if we hang out there for another week or if we start moving into the late 80s or the 90s and like how that's going to shift and like how far are they going to take this thing? Is, is what I want to know. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm hoping that they they go through like the 2000s. Like I don't think like 2010s is going to be anything interesting to do. So no, through the 2000s though, I think there's still some elements to to touch on that would be reminiscent and worthwhile. If so, if they when when they get to 90s era sitcoms, like what is the one you hope they most ape like what would you like to see i don't know what they're gonna like what i would hope for but i think the thing that they are going to go like for is going to be full house like i think that's there's gonna be something full house (laughs) that they're gonna go for yeah and like and that's the thing that my mind keeps going to is like there is a weird thing happening and it was almost happening on last week's episode where like okay you've got elizabeth olsen Who's in these like, you know, classic sitcom situations and her sisters were on full house. And are they going to like how much of a wink and a nod are they going to go in on with that? Um, And I I, like mm, I almost wonder if they're going to be more of like a bewitched or like a TGIF um, block type of show. Oh, sure. You know, Um, like there's that there's that promo image of her in a Scarlet Witch costume. Yes. That is going to show up at some point this season. Yeah, there's so, some sort of episode this season that where it takes place during Halloween because then you've got yeah. Vision in his vintage uh, costume as well. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's something happening there. Um, I feel like a Seinfeld style episode would be really funny, but I don't think it would work. Like yeah. funny as an idea. I don't I don't know if you could pull it off. Um, Friends, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. Um, there's there's just so much to draw from. Um, 
there was another thought I had about this, but I guess, you know, the, the thing that's cool about this show is I like kind of watching the way that Wanda is trying to work through like really obvious trauma and um, like using this situation as a way to like, I don't know if she's actually working through the trauma or coping so much as like trying to suppress it. Yeah. I mean, it very um, much feels like the, the stages of grief and she, the whole setup at least, from how we can understand it currently is that it's mostly denial. And then when things yes. start to devolve, then she moves into anger, but then it resets back to denial. Right. And she, she's not moving past those stages at all yet. And anytime that anything approaches her to confront the illusion she's conjured, she, she gets extremely angry and, and resists and pushes back against it to sort of reestablish her safety net. Um, I'm, I'm, but like the other thing that's happening is like vision himself is starting to be less and less, uh, you know, convinced by this thing. Right. And we've seen multiple weeks now where he's been pulled out of it and he understands something is wrong. Um, and like <clears throat> here, the thing it's like, it seems like they've implied that she's reanimated his, his corpse. Like he's actually there. Like this isn't just like something she's made up, you know? Right. Um, so I'm real curious about what that's going to entail. And like, will he still be able to exist outside of this illusion she's created? Um, or is his, is his, you know, body just going to kind of fall back over? I, uh, I have, I have so many questions and like how many, how many answers are we even going to get in the span of the season? Cause we're already halfway through. Yeah. I feel like not, not too many. Um, because, I mean, it certainly suggested that even though Wanda is doing her own thing, that she may not be in full control of the things that she's doing. Right. Yeah, which is which is also a, an interesting element. Um, do you do you find yourself like as much as I love the stuff happening on the outside, I find myself getting sad when there's not as much time spent in the sitcoms. <laughs> On some of these no. episodes, I mean, like, think? like I said, like I'm so invested in these secondary characters that, like, I'm, yeah, I'm okay. totally fine with the time that they're spending there. It's just me, then. Um, I mean, I, I know, like, the growing pains intro from this past week was amazing. Like, oh my god, dude! What we are getting, even though it's it's a much smaller amount, is really top quality. You're right. It is solid. And it's probably better to be in a place of feeling like I'm not getting enough than like, okay, there's been a full episode of this and very little advancement. Um, but like the stuff they do is so good. Like, I just want to see what else they can do with it. That those, (laughs) those baby pictures of vision and that montage (laughs) are so funny to me. It's hilarious. Like just as a like obviously we know he was never a baby, but like the fact that they went to the trouble (laughs) of making them, it's great. Um, man, I don't know. Like, I, I, I really want to see how this sets up uh, the rest of Phase Four or the beginning of Phase Four. Um, like, I want to, I want to understand what the tie-in with the Doctor Strange movie is so badly. Um, but well, like, see, that's the thing is we've got um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki as TV shows before even any other movies come out. Yeah, that's true. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of MCU TV to consume, which is fine with me because that's actually a lot easier for me to do than to sit down and watch a whole movie most of the time. Absolutely. So, yeah. 
<clears throat> and honestly, like I generally prefer TV to movies these days anyway. I think just the way they can tell stories is the format is better for it. Um, it's working out at yeah. least at least for Marvel. It's and well now Star Wars. It's it, it's really working out. Yeah, they're 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 doing it and they're doing it the right way. Um, well, and and like now I'm hoping for next week we can have like a more focused just like update on that episode. We can we have a little recurring Mandovision chat. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah I affectionately uh, called uh, this Mandovision, but it's only going to work for this week. That is what you have in the notes, and I, I smirked uh, in a very appreciative way when I saw that. <laughs> um, do you want to... Uh, we have a couple of news items. Uh, should we talk about some gaming news briefly? <laughs> this just in. Uh, not not exactly. Um, I, I really should have meant to... I uh, should have thought to put this on the, on the thing last week. Um, Stadia... Like, Google shut down the Stadia uh, game production studios last week. Just, like... Never mind, we're not going to do this anymore. Not surprised. I mean, I guess I'm not either, but also, like, holy shit, did you even try? Like, (laughs) how long has Stadia been out? Has it even been out a full year yet? Like, just under or just about. It is extremely close to a year. I mean, it's just, if you talk about setting up a game studio and you want to build AAA-level content and you think it's going to just happen in, in this short of a span of time... Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about what was going on in there. Um, but, like, it takes years to get a AAA game out the door. Like, three to four. Yeah. In a scenario where you already have all the moving parts set up. So, this is very strange to me. Uh, well, the, the fact that they ever announced the studio in the first place was the really strange part. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but I'm I'm bummed about this because Jade Raymond was working there. And... I really like the games that she works on when they actually see the light of day. Fan favorite. Yeah. And now it's like here, like just, she's just off into, into the wind again. And then like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, that whole service is confounding to me. Like I I have exactly one game on Stadia and I don't, and it's the one you got for free, right? Yeah. Yeah. The one that you play locally on your PC. I just, I don't know who the service is for. I still can't figure it out. Like, I, th- I think it's for someone who doesn't own a gaming PC at a minimum and maybe doesn't own any other system. But, like, literally everything, like, statistics and and surveys and things like that suggest that pretty much everyone's a gamer now. So... Right. Yeah, like it goes back to your question. Like, who is this for? Because everyone's a gamer. This doesn't cover any gaps anywhere. No, like I feel like they're targeting a segment of the market that doesn't exist. Um, or certainly and look, this is a I'll acknowledge this is like a, a somewhat of a privileged perspective to have. Um, and I and I do live in a bubble, but like I don't know. Like, I, I know that there are markets elsewhere in the world where something like this actually would probably make sense, right? You pay a subscription fee, you buy your games on the service, and you don't have to own hardware other than just, you know, the the Chromecast and the controller. But I still think the pricing is wrong because, like, everyone was so confused about, like, well, you just pay the subscription fee and you have the games, right? No. <laughs> um <laughs> And I don't know if they had this idea that they were going to woo PC gamers over 
or console gamers over, but I don't see that happening if you already own no one way. of those platforms. Yeah, like who's who's gonna jump ship for that? Like, especially not with Xbox developing XCloud, which when that is like truly well and truly off the ground, that's you know, that's gonna be a game changer for people, I think. Um I think GeForce Now does this really well already for PC gamers. Like, look, you own your games, right? You buy them on whatever platform. GeForce Now doesn't make you repurchase anything. You Just pay the, the developer or the publisher has to opt in to allow it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but still, like, if you've got a game that's on the service you and you already own it, then great, you're good. You don't have to rebuy a copy like you would with Stadia. Um, <clears throat> and so then all you're doing is, like, you pay for the service and you can... You know you're good, and 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 that's largely the way that you know XCloud works as well, right? Is like, you know, you either have Game Pass Ultimate, and so you have just this library of games available to you, um, or you own these games, and again, they are available on the streaming service. So like, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's just companies trying to over monetize and and you know really squeeze the stone as much as they can, but um, they fucked that up. They really did. I, yeah, I just, I'm not surprised by this news. I, I kind of forgot about Stadia, to be honest. I, I Until, forget about Stadia regularly. <laughs> it's a shame. Like, I mean, the thing of it is, is there's people involved and those people are having to look for jobs elsewhere. And just hopefully they gave them a, a big enough heads up that they could have smoothly transitioned over rather than it be something abrupt but i don't know yeah yeah stadia to me reeks of um some really good ideas that got absolutely ruined by um people further up the chain who didn't actually understand any of the technology or the market <laughs> it's just it's just it, it smells does, yeah. so strongly of that well anyway good luck to folks who lost their jobs because that sucks um, yeah. Oh, this and makes as, me... a, as a side note, the Terraria developers uh, canceled their Stadia version, not because of what happened here necessarily, but they had gotten locked out of their Google account for like 11 days. Right. And then they're like, fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Um, good for them, I say. Um, this makes me really curious about what the future of that service looks like, but... You know, I don't know. Maybe this gives them more flexibility to negotiate deals or something. I don't. I don't get it. But they also have to like go to developers and say like, "Hey, port your game to our, our weird platform." So like the thing with Destiny Two is like that is a separate game. It doesn't have cross save. It doesn't have cross play. So oh. like the last time I saw someone talking about it, it was like they were online with thirty seven other people, and that was it. God, that's sad. So matchmaking was impossible, and lobbies were quiet. All sorts of stuff like that. I just don't get it. Like I don't I don't get how you make that game available on that service and don't figure crossplay out. And I understand the logistics of and the challenge involved in making releases for that platform happen in lockstep with the others. <clears throat> but come on. <laughs> like you're just you're setting that thing up to fail. Or you're setting that game up to fail on that service. Um I got nothing else to say about Stadia. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Stadia anymore. Neither do I. Do you want to talk about CD Projekt? Yeah, they got hacked and their code was put up for ransom. And now it's actually being, uh, as far as I understand, the Witcher 3 source code is being like sold. Or the Gwent. The source Gwent code source code is being code sold. Up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, wow, irony. The people who made the cyberpunk game about hacking got hacked. I had to say it. I'm sorry. You I know mean, there's my, so many my, of those takes. I know. It is. It's kind of the easy take to take. But, yeah, it is. Uh, my my opinion is that this super sucks. I don't feel like they should have been a target. Okay, Cyberpunk 2077 was not what it was purported to be. Uh, and for the most part, disappointing. I mean, honestly, I was pretty high on Cyberpunk, but I definitely fell off back in yeah. December. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. But I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go shit in a paper bag and drop it off in CD Projekt's <laughs> front doorstep. Like I'm not going to do it. No. And that's, that's, that's very kind of you to not, to not do that to somebody. <laughs> um, well, and like, God, man, like, look, I was as disappointed as anybody about the way that that game launched and the way that it did not meet expectations. <clears throat> but like, God, it's just, it's just more of the same shit of entitled people on the internet being crappy and like, you know, ugh. like how does, how does the decisions of, you know, people up the, again, decisions of people further up the chain, pushing deadlines, right? Like how does, how does hacking the studio and selling off or public making public their source code how does that help the developers and the people making the game, right? Like, how does that get you the result? Like, I understand that the thinking is like, oh, well, we're going to hurt the share price and we're going to, you know, send them a message. But like, dude, like, I don't know. I, I'm not. Ugh. It's just, it's just, it just feels like the, the wrong way to do this. It totally is. I mean, there's, I'm not advocating for anything else, but I mean, there is certain things that these people could be going after instead than CD Projekt Red. Like, there is good to be done, and they're not doing good here. This is not some sort of, like, Robin Hood, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor kind of thing. It's not... It's not doing anybody any good. Yeah, and, and like... And I think like you said, like, I'm just, I don't know if CD Projekt Red is the tar is the right target for, for act, like, hacktivism of this nature. Um, I don't, I don't know. There's this little part of my brain going off and being like, Hey dude, you sound a lot like people who are saying, who say things like writing isn't the answer. And like, you know, public demonstrations are not the answer, but I also don't think this is, this is not the same thing as like systems of oppression being no. pushed on, on people for, for centuries, right? This is a video game studio with some shitty people in executive positions. And like you as a individual human, as a person who plays games are not being oppressed by this. So, um, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is several steps forward from when people were upset about the mass effect three ending and it got rewritten. Oh my God. Right. It is the <sighs> same. Th that is what this is equivalent to. It's just much more extreme. It, it's, it's the next, it, it well, it's, it's a few steps down the line, but it is kind of the next evolution of that exact same kind of thing. Um, like that's where you draw the comparisons. It's never going to be, you know, black lives matter. It's never going to be like, storming no. the capital it's you're you are not able to draw lines of comparison for them that's never no. going to happen no nope. mass effect 3 yes that's where you can <laughs> that's where you'll find yourself yeah and and like 
surprise. It's it's people being pissed because oh, this thing wasn't exactly the way I wanted it. Um, like maybe somebody mm-hmm. lied to you and you got you know bamboozled, but I mean for the most part, I don't think anybody lied. It's just they fell short with that game. You know, you could you could make a pretty sound argument that marketing was very misleading um, about totally. the state of things, and 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 like I, I you know, you, obviously you got to be careful with the word lie, um, like from a journalistic standpoint. But I'm not saying anybody lied. I'm saying the people no, no, who no, I are know. doing these things are <clears throat> saying lie. Right. Um, yeah, I, I I certainly think that things were misrepresented on a very grand scale. Um, and maybe for maybe maybe it's fair to say that that constitutes lying. I don't know, uh, but well, you know, I don't know. And then like you say, like, hey, we're gonna release this game uh, and it's gonna be ready, and then it comes out and it's like fucking broken as hell on old systems. Eh, you know, again, gross misrepresentation. Um, Not every game can be a no man's sky, but it is possible. <laughs> we can get there if we try. If you if you um, let them. I mean, like well, once like, people yeah. once people left Sean Murray and everybody alone, they fucking turned that game around. They did, and it's glorious now. I mean, it, it, the seeds were still there in the first place, but but that was um, only yeah. possible once everyone just left them alone. Once they stopped. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and this is like, look, if 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 your end goal is like, God, I just want Cyberpunk to be complete, and I want this to be good. This ain't this ain't it, man. Like this ain't how you get there. Um. Not that it matters, because like it's 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 fucking done, and they're gonna keep being shitty and releasing stuff. But um, you know, it's a it's a weird time. Very very interesting. Weird time. Interesting though that cyberpunk systems were able to be breached in this way, uh, and it makes me wonder. Like, I would love Did you to say know, cyberpunk systems. Oh, they got cyberpunked big time. Um, <laughs> I I want to. I would love to know the story of how this played out. Um, or if it really was just some servers that were not secured properly, but I'm sure they, I'm sure they, they did some very clever, uh, things to fish their way in, but, <clears throat> or someone let them in. Who knows? Could be, could be. Yeah. Any, anything is possible. Um, unreal or Epic announced the unreal meta human creator this week. Tell me more. Uh, did you see this? No. Well, I mean, I've seen Dude. like the thumbnail, and that's it. It's yeah. Video, so but I've not an, watched the video. It's a new piece in like the Unreal Engine like creation toolkit, um, and and basically, this is intended to allow for you know generation of inc- extremely realistic looking human characters in games without having to invest a fuck ton of time in doing like bespoke assets, right? Like this thing can create very real convincing looking humans that are unique from what you would see in another game, even if they use the same tools, right? Um, with the, so like, look, you get super high quality looking people and you get unique art for your, and assets for your game. Um, and the people that this tool is creating are like frighteningly real looking, um, I don't know. It's it's a super it's a super cool looking piece of tech. I am like I have no idea how this is actually going to translate to being applied in games and and as a development tool, but it's pretty wild. I mean, the idea I guess is to remove the the weirdness that it, that can occur from a lot of games that are. I mean, 
let's use Halo 3 as, as an example where the faces are downright horrifying. Like yeah, they're this, not good. this creation will ease that because it's 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 doing it procedurally, but also in a realistic manner. So you're going to get yes. higher quality, much more variation. Right? Like these, right. these, right. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you get, you know, they're, they're, they're saying like, not only all those things, you can generate one of these people in minutes instead of the like literal months it takes to construct a digital, a digital human from scratch. Okay. Yeah. Which is super messed up. Um, like it, it, it's cool messed up, but it's, it's a little scary and they've got a lot of demos on their page or on their website for it. Um, like recreating existing actors. So they've got, uh, well, here's Andy circus. And then there's another, I, I swear there was another, I, this an existing video game character. Uh, Senua, uh, gets like a makeover using the system. Um, is Nicholas cage on there? God, no, he should be. <clears throat> MetaHuman Creator is a cloud-streamed app that takes real-time digital human creation from weeks or even months to less than an hour at an unprecedented standard of quality, fidelity, and realism. Um, and then when, when it's finished, you can export and download it, rigged and ready to animate in Unreal Engine. That's fucking nuts. Um, but I wonder if this is going to be one of those things where, like, you know... Uh, you can like you'll just be able to spot these these characters generated from a mile away, like you can with some other like game like you know middleware technology that you see in games. So does this only apply to Unreal Engine Five, or is it backwards compatible with Four? Ah, uh, good question. Uh, given the fidelity that I'm seeing on these demos, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Five thing. Okay. Um, but it doesn't. I don't see anywhere on this page that says specifically. Um, yeah, but on the other hand, I don't know. Like I could see them making it work in four as well. Like why not? It would be a compelling way to get people to shift to the, to five though. That's for damn sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds um, rad. I mean, it's, it's neat. I don't know. Like just Google unreal metahuman and you'll, uh, you'll see the videos and you'll be like, holy shit, this is, this is nuts. Uh, you've got one more thing on here. Yeah. Uh, this came out, I think, this week, if time is what I think it is. Uh, the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake uh, was delayed. I think the word used was indefinitely. Oh, no. So, like, are they are they just rebooting the whole thing? Like, Well, I think or is what it- happened was when they revealed it, it, like didn't look as good as people thought it was going to look. And they're like, no, 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 no. This is kind of the intention. Like we wanted, we wanted it to, you know, be updated, but we still wanted it to kind of look like it used to. Um, But I think, I, I think they're just kind of like reworking the art and like, like going all the way with it rather than just Mm. like the half step that they took. Got it. So, so they probably got feedback that was like, y'all need to remake this for real. Yeah, um, like if you're gonna remake this, actually remake it. Don't just that's do the half step. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I'm not gonna complain about that. That's kind of what I was hoping for anyway. Um, 
seems like a sensible thing. I wonder how much of this is also just them accounting for like, hey, we're, we're living in a pandemic and, um, you know, things take longer now. Yeah, could be that too. Um, and, it, and, and then also, you know, maybe they're being a little smarter, they being Ubisoft being smarter about what they're saying. So if they just say that it's just delayed indefinitely, they, they're not committing to a time yep. or a timeline. Yeah. And, and like, Hey, like novel concept, uh, that, that makes sense. And, you know, Prince of Persia remake is not like a triple a make or break title for their, um, for their earnings reports. So no. they could, they could afford to make this particular shift with this game. Uh, but I very much want to play it. So it's just more, I'm kind of bummed out because I, I really wanted to go through sands of time again. Same, same. I've been, I, I loved that game. I, I have, so many vivid fond memories of playing that in my dorm room in freshman year of college when it came out and it just being like it just felt so special um well the time mechanic itself i mean like it was one thing to slow down time and like max pain but it was another that you were rewinding and like able to do things over again and differently here yes yeah exactly uh it's like a it, it was it was a revolutionary thing and still not a lot of games do it. Um, like you see it pop up here and there, but like it's mostly racing games job. right now. Like that's the only thing that's like doing time <laughs> stuff true. is racing games. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I feel like there was, I feel like there's been a game in the past few years that came out that had this, a, a, a mechanic sort of like this. Well, okay. Uh, Life is strange has a time rewind mechanic, but it's not the same thing. Uh, um, time shift. Okay. From like yeah. 10 years ago did that mm. had time stuff it pops up but like it's kind of hard because like you got to make a time travel or time like a weirdish kind of game that like where that that mechanic makes sense to incorporate right uh, in the first place so um i could like i could see like a version of a dishonored where that's a thing you can do you know who uh because like why why save scum why not just rewind could be kind of neat all right i'm gonna do it i don't know well i i hope they i hope they actually still make that game i would love to play that one day yeah i don't want it to i don't want it to be canceled not that canceled the other canceled the real canceled (laughs) i don't want it to get canceled (laughs) i'm sorry i don't want it to get cancel cultured no wait no i don't don't, want to don't cancel culture me bro (laughs) No, I just, uh, yeah, I want to see that game come out and I, yeah. I I hope that they get to do it because it would be really disappointing for the people who worked on it and obviously people like yeah. us who are into it. Yes, it would be a bad time. <sighs> okay. Um, I think it's that part of the show where I crack open the old inbox and Gmail. we, yeah, we, we read ourselves a Gmail. Um, <sighs> uh, uh, if you have a question you would like to hear answered on the podcast, you can send an email to quicksave at savingcontent.com. Uh, you may also submit corrections. However, there are zero guarantees that they will be read or incorporated into the show. Fair mm-hmm. warning. This week's email comes once again from Saving Content's own Ed Acosta. The subject line on this is addendum to bear versus gorilla plus a question. So now you know oh. where this is going. 
Um, and actually, I'm glad he brought this up because I was thinking about this after you brought it up last week, and I realized we, we wasted an opportunity to really get into it on this subject. So I'm glad he's bringing it back up. Uh, he says, so listening to the discussion on Bear versus Gorilla, I'm reminded of the old Discovery Channel show Animal Face-Off. I did a quick refresh on their matchups, and while Bear and Gorilla never fought each other, they both bested big cats. I'm not surprised by this. Yeah. Um, a mountain gorilla silverback defeated an African leopard, while a brown bear disposed of a, a Siberian tiger. Uh, I think the bear gets an upper hand, though, as they also matched an American black bear with an American alligator, and the bear won. If you read the Cliff's Notes version of the battles, it seems like the bear was able to survive both attacks because of its raw power and resiliency. Interesting. I had not considered this. The gorilla only survived because of a well-placed shot, uh, arm shot into the leopard's spine. Oh. Interesting. With this knowledge, I'd have to say that a bear would be able to withstand a body shot like that from the gorilla, but the gorilla would not be able to last long with a bear's rip and tear stance. Um, that's, that's a very long take and I'm super glad that Ed weighed in on this and I'm convinced, uh, I know I was team gorilla last week, but like, I, I can't argue with this. Like you're, bears you're are coming over to the fun. right side. Yeah. The correct man, side. Like, I, I, I want to be team gorilla and I want to be like, <clears throat> listen, these things can, can move in ways that bears can't. Um, but I, and, and like, and gorillas are super fucking strong. Um, but they don't have the same like destructive power that a bear no. does. Uh, at least not in the same way. And, and I think he's right. Like the ripping and the, the ripping and the tearing, um, that is, that is tough to, to, to stack up against. Um, so along, along this line, uh, we've got, uh, Godzilla versus Kong coming out soon. <laughs> God. Yeah. Here, here's my prediction. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's hear it. I'm going, I'm going very simple with it. Uh, but Kong is going to win so that he will now be known as King Kong. Oh man, you're probably right. Cause there's been no reference to King. Huh? Does Godzilla ever lose? I don't know, but I mean, Kong has not achieved the moniker of king yet and mm. i think this is going to be the time and place that it happens does has kong had that moniker outside of the original film like in, in the ongoing lore like is he's that always thing? been king kong up until i think these movies i mean like maybe kong for mm. shorthand but i mean it's always like the 2005 remake king kong the original 1933 was king kong and I believe every other reference has always been King Kong. Interesting. I mean, Kong Skull Island was fucking good. It was dumb, but it was good. <clears throat> yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's that's an interesting possibility. That's that's what I'm putting down as my prediction before the movie you comes think, out. You in think March. Kong is going to beat Godzilla? I mean, yes. Um, anything's possible. But if Kong can beat Godzilla, then I will. I will switch to my original stance of the gorilla can beat a bear okay godzilla's got like a fucking like ray beam he shoots out of his mouth like what is kong gonna do about that well according to the trailer stop it with a ancient device that can take it without deflecting it what is he like winston from overwatch now come on (laughs) ancient device 
This is I gotta. This is gonna be like a. You gotta turn your brain off for this movie. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's gonna be a okay. CGI fest. Like, God, the likes of which we've not seen well since Kong Skull Island, but. <laughs> Or Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh wait, indeed, it was. He was King of the Monsters. He was. So, so I, now th- what? That fur- that furthers my thought because then he's gonna take the. He can take the title. Yeah. Do you think he gets a belt to go with it, or like a or a crown, a or sash? Something? It's gonna be a sash. Oh yeah, a sash. I like it. Yeah. yeah, they can like someone comes over, like Mothra shows up and just drapes it over him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that also that trailer also indicates that there's like Mecha Godzilla, which I don't know how the fuck that's gonna work. Don't um, care, I'm here for it. <laughs> man, that's gonna be a crazy movie. <laughs> uh, it's it's be gonna great. be a kitchen sink for sure. Yep. Uh, come for the dumb fun. Um, so the question that Ed includes in his email is. Uh, all that being said, what obscure TV show do you remember that everyone else seems to have forgotten over the years? That's kind of a hard one. That's, I mean, that's a broad question. <clears throat> I'll tell you what I think makes this hard is the, bro- like, just the collective consciousness of the internet makes it really hard for anything to fade into total obscurity anymore. Sure. I, I, I think there's still outliers. Yeah, no, of course there are. Of course there are. I'm just trying to think of, like, what answer could I provide to this? Like, like I don't know. Like, what TV shows do I still think about that, oh, no, actually, I know exactly what my answer to this is. And it's it's bad. It's very bad. Well, you you just go, and then I'll say mine. Okay. So, like any kid who grew up being raised on, like, the Nickelodeon era of game shows, I was obsessed with them. And okay, I, like... Yeah. I wanted to gather as many of these sorts of things as I possibly could. Um, and that's actually mean there's technically two in this vein. Um, so I loved any game show that involved putting people, my age children uh, into situations where they had to like use their, use their wits to answer questions and then go do crazy physical challenges that like, especially if it involved like an elaborate set and like a, like a setting that seemed like just, you know, like constructing a fantasy world in, in the, in reality. Right. Which is like, you know, guts I idolize cause I just wanted nothing more than to climb the aggro crag one day. Yeah. Um, there was a show and I don't, I got, this feels like it was, it must've been a UPN show. Um, <sighs> I'm going to see which channel it was on. Oh, nope. Uh, family Channel, even better. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a sh- there was a show on the Family Channel called Masters of the Maze. Sounds uh, familiar. I gotta look and, it up. Uh, and so it is a children's television game show that aired on the Family Channel from 1994 to 1995. And so they had one season. After the last episode aired, it went into reruns. Um, <clears throat> and actually, this does not tell you anything about the show. Uh, which is frustrating. Mario Lopez hosted this show at one point. That's weird. Um, yeah. Mario. Yeah, I don't love that. Uh, okay, technically there were two seasons of this. I see. Um, so, yeah, basically you would you would do trivia and you'd answer questions, but they incorporated like all this weird, like very, like this is the kind of shit where like Vaporwave as an aesthetic comes from because this is like they were just doing it on this show. Without knowing that that's what they were doing. 
Um, they'd have like floating heads against weird backgrounds, like talking to the kids, like presenting questions. Um, but then the, the big event was this big fucking stupid maze that they would have to navigate <laughs> and, you know, that they had to be masters of. And if I remember right, God, I barely remember this. I think one of them had to like put on a helmet so that they couldn't see. And the yeah. other, yeah, yeah, they had to put their visor down. And then their teammate who was outside the maze would like basically have to give them instructions on how to navigate. Like they were controlling the I do the remember game. this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was like, this was a show that I, I thought was sort of cool, but also thought was sort of dumb, but like, it was just an, like on the right side of things that I really wanted to just keep watching it. Um, and then like, but also the trivia on the show was really fucking hard. Um, especially when they get to the very end, like the final room where they'd have to like answer a bunch of extra questions. Almost no one ever won this game. Like they didn't want you to win the prices. <laughs> They probably didn't have the budget uh, to keep giving it out, so they had to like covet them. Yeah, well, it wasn't like Nickelodeon where they just they threw all this money at at prizes for the kids um, and like in production values, and the network is just like, yeah, go nuts. Like they didn't they didn't do that. Um, so yeah, that that's the main one that comes to mind. Uh, the secondary answer to this is Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego, the the less remembered like sequel show to Where in the World. Um, sure. Yeah. You I was actually you know exactly what that is. If you, yeah. if you know the title, <laughs> I so I I had two things pop into my head. One of them was actually going to be where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Oh um, man, everyone knows that show. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like it's falling out of like certain people's minds at this at this stage. It's like, I don't think it's anything. That, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Like the acapella stuff was. Like rad, like I'm super not into uh, it in any other context, but here it was acapella. Awesome. Was it? Yeah. Well, were that they? was the name of the group. They were an acapella group named Rockapella. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm just saying yeah. the the, the oh, genre. They were very rock. Yes, indeed. Uh, so that was the first one, but the like, I guess maybe my real answer. Small wonder. Nope, don't know it. Vicky the robot. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm googling. Oh dear, what is this? <laughs> oh my. Oh, oh, this is vaguely familiar. Yes. Yep. Oh, this is the real goldmine of forgotten TV shows. Is just like failed sitcoms from the late '80s and early '90s. Huh. Yep. Yep. So that's, that that, uh, is... that was. Uh, that is my answer. I mean, it had four seasons. Wow. Good for them. <laughs> this also reminds me of this thing uh, that I see come up like, like I think once a year, uh, Bakun like retweets this, um, like the worst sitcom theme song of all time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so awful. It's just, it's inconceivably <laughs> bad. Um, and, and the show that it's associated with only had one season and it was terrible from, by all accounts. Um, but it's like the, the theme song is such an earworm yeah. in, in like the worst way. It's just like really bad synth and like, it's like a proto Seinfeld kind of <laughs> jam in a weird way. But like, but what if you, what if it went on for 60 seconds plus? Yeah. Oh God. 
Oh no, Small Wonder, on for four seasons, only had two seasons of DVD releases. Oh no. That's uh that's unfortunate. I think it was is this uh Nope, I'm not gonna find it this way. This was um I'll have to like literally go back into Bakun's like Twitter feed, which is impossible because he tweets so goddamn much. Ugh. But every time he retweets it, I laugh and I, I reshare it and I infect everybody with it again because it's I, just too I found fun. it. Oh, you did? Wow, yeah, it quick. took me took me two seconds. <laughs> Why did you just like Google Bakun worst theme song? Yeah. Or oh, yeah. Bakun yep. TV theme song, and it's the first result. You're right. There it was. Um, yep. Now I'm Suzanne Plachette is Maggie Briggs. Maggie Briggs. And it's only 46 seconds, but it feels like 64. It feels like a full season's worth of bad. Uh, how does he find this shit? I swear, the, the guy is just like a sponge for media. I love it, though. It's also just like the worst introductory montage of any sitcom of all time. Because everything, <laughs> like, when you're doing like one of these, like, oh, we're introducing all the characters kind of things. And like all the actors. And you're supposed to show them doing whimsical shit. And everything is that normal. all these characters are doing is normal and mundane. And like painfully, cringefully, like, just... I don't want to watch this ever. Like, nothing about this is funny. And like, there's just sounds where lyrics maybe should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what I mean by like the proto Seinfeld thing. Like it's, John but it doesn't Getz. work. Poor John Getz. What's he up to? Yeah. Like that's the only name from this title sequence I recognize. Like I remember Oof. Suzanne Plachette, but I have no idea what really? from. Yeah, yeah I would like that name. Him. It's such a unique name. Okay. I mean, she was a, a you know a comedian, obviously, uh, or else like, what are you doing with a sitcom that you're starring in? If you're not Bob Newhart Show, that's what you know her from. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. That's her main thing. Um, oh man, John uh, Guts was <clears throat> in Doom Patrol. Sure, of course he was. All right. John Guts is every. He's everywhere, man. What is he most known for? He was in the social network. No, what do I know John gets from the most? Let's yeah, see. no, like I, I know him from other shows of this era and like I'm not going to be able to pin him down. Um, but like his, his nor would he his, let you No, no, that is not his thing at all. That's not his brand remotely. Um, he's, he's slippery that John gets. You can't get him. <laughs> did it oh my god the show was called suzanne plachette is maggie briggs i thought it was just maggie yes. briggs yes that's the other thing about this show it's not just called maggie briggs the title of the show is suzanne plachette is maggie briggs what the actual fuck like was this a thing we were doing in the late 80s oh my god god Oh, hey, here's another great tidbit. The name of the guy who directed all of these episodes is Peter Boners with a Z. <laughs> it's too good. It's too fucking good. You can't write oh, this. God. You can't. Someone did, but you can't. Uh, God damn it. I will, I will always think. I've, I, 
I don't even want to watch it. I just want it to exist in the space of my mind. But there's a sick part of me that wants to actually watch the six episodes that were produced. And and just know. And then you'll know. Yeah, my brain is broken in a very special way. <clears throat> Whew. That's it. That's all I got, man. I think I'm out of steam. <laughs> well, we went, gotta, we went to very many places. We were all over the place on this one, and um, it's been it's been a trip. And and now I got to edit it. So, uh, yeah, I I think we've we've exhausted every last like thing that we can <laughs> for this show this week. That's okay. Remember what, when we were worried, like, oh, we don't have specific games to talk about. What are we going to do? Uh, well, we, we filled those gaps uh, well, I'd say. That's what they call you, the gap filler. Mm, do they? Yeah, everyone does. Everyone? They do now. Oh, okay. Everyone's going to. You're welcome. After this, this is, this is my defining <laughs> moment. This is your origin story. It's not very exciting. Uh, <laughs> God. I, I think that's going to do it for this week. That's it. No more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think this is where you read the outro. This is, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying real hard to get up there. I'm like scrolling slowly and like trying to make this outro happen. And I'm like not even letting myself out of this prison. Uh, <laughs> So, so yes, uh, thank you so much to everyone for joining us on Quick Save. You can find me on Twitter at EV underscore R-O-W-E. Scott, where can people find you on the internet? Also on Twitter, at Hawk underscore S-E, not at Hawk S-E. That is taken by someone else, and maybe one day they'll give it to me, but that day is not today. Nope. <laughs> Do you want me? We should add that to the script. I feel like we touch on this regularly. I, I like to do it like I think every other week and maybe maybe it's a little more than that but uh, or less yeah. you know like more of a space but I like to touch mm-hmm. on it every now and then all right good thank you for the update uh you can visit us at savingcontent.com for news and reviews uh we have I believe two new reviews up this week yes uh we yes. have we have the medium and we have hitman 3 uh so go read those we have things to say about those games um if you have questions that you'd like to have answered on the podcast, please send them into quicksave at savingcontent.com or reach out to us on Twitter at savingcontent or to either of our personal handles. Either way, however it works, however you want to get at us, do it. We want to hear from you. Uh, last thing is, uh, please, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. It actually helps us a whole lot. Uh, it just takes a second to go in there and tap, preferably five stars. Uh and tell your friends. Spread the word. This show's good. You know it. We know it. We want more people to know it. That's it. That's all I got. Until next time, you know what they say. Ooh.